Right, governors, welcome to episode 10 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. Joining me in this metaphorical cyberland parlour this month is the absolutely delightful gentleman bastard, Matt Davis. Hello, Matt. I have never been introduced as a gentleman bastard, but that, is, that was the most lovely introduction I've ever had, actually. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I thought you might like it because you are a bit of a gentleman bastard, so... Well, it's, it's nice. It's nice to be thought of like that, and uh, thank you for inviting me into the cyber parlour here. Is it is all the food made by um, Food Machine in the Star Trek show? What is it called? The Food Replicator? I, I don't know. I'm rambling. <laughs> no, it's actually sad cakes made with my tears because I can't pay. Oh, what a shame. But anyway, episode 10. Exciting. I know. I know. It's almost the podcast birthday. Can you imagine? And I'm very honoured to be here. You're in double figures now. I know. I feel like a grown-up. Not really. I'm never going to feel like a grown-up. Anyway, uh, for those of you who do not know the delightful gentleman bastard, Matt, he's a friend of mine and he's a nerd. He's not new to the world of podcasting, but you don't podcast anymore, do you, Ivan? I I don't. I used to, just for those who don't know, I used to be heavily involved in the burlesque and cabaret scene. And I used to do a podcast called Tassel Time, which was a sort of like um, an interview podcast where I just interviewed burlesque performers about about their life, about how they got into the form and what they did. And I just, I, 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 think, I, I, think, I think it ran its course. And um, I kind of don't do it anymore. I, I used to do comparing and emceeing on the side. Not emceeing, is in the rapping, because I, I, I can't do rap. <laughs> I would love to hear that, I'll be honest. Oh, uh, no, no, it's, 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 it's something that should not be uh, put onto human ears at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I used to do that. I think it ran its course. I've done with another person because it used to be just me on my own. I could never do that. I was thinking about that earlier today when I was scrabbling around for somebody to help me on the show. And I thought, shall I just record it on my own? And then I thought, no, because I'll have these conversations with myself and just come off like a mental case. <laughs> so, so I decided not. I said a mental case when I was doing my own show. I'd, I'd write everything that I said so it sounded sort of half decent and professional. And I would spend about several takes just trying to get the, the opening line right without sounding like a dick. <laughs> oh, have you ever listened to the first episode of Comic Racks back in the day? Because no, no I haven't. And uh, since um, is it still on iTunes? Did they they wipe them all off or something? They did. Yeah. Um, the feed basically we stopped paying for it because we hadn't put an episode out for a while. So they sent us an email and said if you don't pay us and all the back payments like now. We'll just quit your feed off. <laughs> um, the episodes are still available through Geektress, though, because they're delightful and lovely. Hello, Geektress ladies. Yeah, and they're hosting them for me, so they're not, like, lost. But episode episode zero was terrible because I kept trying to introduce the episode and we'd actually written a script for me to say. And I think I must have just just got so nervous and tongue-tied that I just pronounced, like, basically everything wrong, even, you know, average words like possibly. I find that overscripting something can really throw you off. I mean, when I did the first MCing compare job that I did, I overscripted everything and it sounded awful. <laughs> I just I just messed the whole thing up and I just came off looking really, really I shouldn't have been on the stage. It was the, the worst that I ever did. And uh, at the second show, God knows why they asked me back to do it, but they asked me back for a second show and I just said, you know what, I'm going to wing it. So I always did every show not knowing what the hell I was going to say. See, I, th- I think that's a good idea because 
if I planned what I was going to say on this show more than just writing down like vague notes, I think I'd end up. I can't stay on track on anything, so it would just become an absolute mess. <laughs> the rambling. I've listened to enough Comic Racks podcast to know that you're the queen of rambling. Yeah. And already what? before the podcast even began, you already started the f bomb. So it's. Uh, I mean. <laughs> territory yeah <laughs> yeah um i was just gonna say actually we are rambling a bit now and not not talking about things within the pop culture umbrella which is quite a big umbrella to be fair so being the nice kind host that i am i'll let you have a ramble first about whatever you want to have a ramble about <laughs> are you sure that's wise uh, <laughs> maybe not anything <laughs> i in truth the gentleman bastard that never lets the lady go first sorry i was just stifling a burp <laughs> oh it's dark <laughs> Sorry, I'm on them. I'm on Sprite Zero, and it's just not doing well for my uh, windy issues. Um, <laughs> That's why I drink my beer in the evening. Well, I should have been drinking tea, but then I couldn't be asked to make a cup. So. Oh yeah. No, I'm gonna make one later. But... Okay, if you don't mind me going first, I shall uh, go. Go for it, my friend. Just starting. Did you see on the BBC website the promotional photographs for the? Christmas special for Doctor Who. I did, I did, I did. Yes, and what do you think? I am a cross between stupidly excited and nervously apprehensive. The stupidly excitedliness comes from, that's not a word, but I'm going to go with it, comes from the snowmen themselves because holy shit snacks, they look terrifying. They um, look They look so sinister, and I personally prefer Scary Who to like wishy-washy who but the the apprehensiveness comes from the the companion because it looks like she's playing an entirely different character than the person that she played in the first episode of this like series that we're in the middle of so i don't know how that's going to tie together but it also doesn't help that the person she played in that first episode i really didn't like so i'm kind of hoping she's nothing like that at all it was kind of with a mark too wasn't it oswin yeah, it, to me, it was a cross between River and Amy, and River and Amy are very similar anyway, yeah. which I suppose makes sense given the fact that they are mother and daughter. But, yeah, um, she was just that... It's it's almost like... You know how people are always banging on about how there should be more strong female characters? Yeah. It's like, in Doctor Who, there's kind of too many. It's like, not all women are that sassy or flirty or brave, or, like, some of them, i.e. myself, will, like shit the pants and go and have a cry in the bathroom when they see a puppy in the street like <laughs> well I, um, I have to benefit because i believe i think i've seen more classic episodes of i hate that term, by the way. <laughs> i hate that term classic who and new who oh god i can't do you know do you know actually i am um, i was in waterstones and not too long ago and they they have like the audio books and the cd and they they separated them and they'd labeled them Old school who and new who with new being spelled N U. Oh fuck! I hate that. But it's like it's not fucking new metal. It's the thing. The, I'll, just, I'll go on a little rant and then I'll stop. It's the thing I don't like about classic who versus new who is that it makes it. It's sort of like a, make it sound like it's two separate things when it's not. It's it's mm-hmm. part. It's the show continues. It had like a twenty. It had like a, a year break from years break from nineteen eighty nine when the original television series stopped. And then there was a 1996 movie, and then it came back in 2004 with Christopher Harrison. To me, it's the same show. It's not like Battlestar Galactica when you've got old Battlestar and new Battlestar because the new one was a rematch. It was like a, a huge reboot. It's the same 
show. And I still hear loads of people referring to Who nowadays as the reboot Who. That really winds oh, me up. Not. That's, that's just stupid. It is stupid. It? <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, um, I but yeah, what was I've kind of gone off the point now. What was I about to say? I think we were ranting about Oswin and yeah. yeah. Going back to your point about you saying there seems to be an abundance of strong female characters in Who at the moment. If you go back and look at a lot of the Who, a lot of the female companions way back into the sixties, particularly I'm gonna I'm gonna cite Susan, who was the Doctor's granddaughter way back in the day. All she seemed to do was scream <laughs> get into a walk to the door scream she, she'd, uh, she'd open the door scream she'd fall over scream she'd sit down scream <laughs> about screaming and um and a lot of them a lot of the characters like um there was another one there was a little girl called victoria who was like the companion of the second doctor and she was like a really wishy-washy victorian girl and she was so they're whining all the time. They try to do a stronger character. Uh, this is me giving people a history lesson. Uh, called Zoe, who was a second Doctor companion. She was supposed to be actually smarter than the Doctor, and uh, which was which was really interesting. But to be honest with you, I mean, not many of the companions were that. Particularly the female ones were that strongly written. Mm-hmm. There were two. Don't get me wrong. Sarah Jane, absolutely brilliant. Joe Grant, fantastic. Leela was brilliant as well but then they had Bonnie Langford with uh, I don't know if you know who Bonnie Langford is but just imagine a mad ginger lady screaming her head off and that was uh, from Colin Baker to Professor McCoy it was not the <laughs> best decade the final television companion before it came back was Ace who was awesome I don't know if you've ever seen Ace no I'm my uh classic she says in inverted commas um who watching has been limited to the five doctors and uh one sontaran two-parter in a field with tom baker i don't know if you know yes tom baker yeah yeah that's that's all i've seen of the of the older stuff um i do want to watch more but um and in fact i was i i have written a couple of articles before for um, a doctor who fanzine called the terrible zodin but uh, they were going to do a spin-off sort of magazine where they would give people who have only seen the newer series uh, old episodes to watch and review, but that never seemed to happen, which is a shame because I was really psyched for doing that. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, I have to be honest, and I say this with the the utmost love for the series because I am a diehard Whovian, died in the wall, watched it since I was five years old, went to the Science Museum when Birmingham still had a Science Museum, <laughs> 30th anniversary of Doctor Who, and actually went to an exhibition there. This is when they had the terrible 3D Children in Need charity show called Dimensions in Time, which was a crossover between Doctor Who and EastEnders. Oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on YouTube. It's embarrassing beyond belief because they tried to do it as a legitimate Doctor Who show, and it's just appalling. It really is appalling. I have but, to watch that. <laughs> that's what I was saying. As a Died in the Wall fan... Some who hasn't dated that well, mm-hmm. but some of it is absolutely brilliant, even despite its budget, because they didn't have much of a budget, and they, they were aiming so high, though. You have to admire just how high they were aiming for, but they just weren't given the money to do it. And it's, it's a shame, because um, the, the ideas there and the sheer joy, because these people, you, you just look at 
behind the scenes documentaries and the DVDs, and you just think these people were absolutely loving what they were doing. They were loving doing the, doc the Doctor Who stories, they were loving writing them, putting them together, and uh, all the actors absolutely enjoyed beyond the with the side themselves playing the Doctor. And um, uh, it's just a shame that it just, it, down the years, it just sort of became the program that everybody could take a sniper. Mm -hmm. In this country, where everybody like, everybody could just take a quick jibe of it, and it all became about wobbly sets and terrible special effects and terrible monsters, and it's, it's a shame, really, because but that it's been tainted like that, and I still hear some new fans that have come to it. They're reluctant to go near the the older episodes because mm -hmm. this prejudice has been put against them. And I urge everybody here, particularly with the 50th anniversary coming up. Just go back and watch some classic Doctor Who episodes. Seriously, and I use classic in the sense that they were classic because they were brilliant. And particularly, I think yeah, I think it's a. I'm going to say this as a statement. I think everybody who is new to Who or is still an old Whovian in the 50th anniversary should at least watch an unearthly child to see where it began. You owe yourself that. You really do. I shall try and dig that out then. I swear, I swear to you, it's it's still astonishing television actually when you look at it to mm -hmm. see what they were doing. And just they didn't know where they were going, and just have they just they didn't get the character of the doctor that well. I mean, I'll give you a quick example just to kind of cut off the rant and go back to what we were talking about. But there's, there's a thing actually in it where the doctor, they, they, they put it this way, they've come to the age of cavemen and they're trying to escape from these cavemen, and there's this other caveman that's slowing them down because they're trying to help him. And all the companions are quite worried about him because he's knocked out and he's not very. And it comes to a shot of the doctor picking up a rock, walking over to the caveman, about to bash his head in. <laughs> and he's stopped by the companion. And that's never, ever been picked up on in any future stories, ever. Wow. Absolutely astonishing when you look at when you look at it back. And it's it's but like I said, going back to what I was saying, everybody should look at it. They really should. But yes, getting back to the <laughs> <laughs> But back to Christmas. <laughs> You, you, you mentioned Doctor Who, I go off on one. I really <laughs> what, I, I do agree with what you were saying about the... Uh, uh, I'm kind of interested to see where this is going with this, this companion and how they're going to link it in with the sign with the Daleks. Mm -hmm. uh, it, as much as I love him, uh, I didn't really like some of the direction that he went in with the previous series. Are we when you say previous series, do you mean a full-on series ago or the, the first part of this series? It's confusing me with these gaps in the middle. Uh, well, the last series, with the last full series, the the one where he um, he basically decides that he's going to fake his own death. Oh, yeah. Can I ask a question? Right. Yeah. I've asked this of a lot of people, and I don't know whether it's just because we've all got terrible memories, because I admittedly have. Is there a reason why he marries River in The Wedding of River Song? You know what? I'm still trying to find that out. Because I thought I was missing something. Because they don't seem in love in the sense that they're that bothered about each other. I mean, neither one would want the other one to die, but that's not necessarily a reason to marry someone. Like, you know, I don't want you to die, but I also don't want to marry you I, um, because we're both happily married. Yeah, but <laughs> I think it's a cheap way of Moffat to because he was he was teasing way back when River appeared that she would. She was sort of his wife. Yeah. I think it was a cheap way of, him of getting it done, but without pissing off Whovians fully, because 
there's this sort of unwritten rule in Doctor Who continuity, and the, the poor television movie with Paul McGann faced the, the full wrath of it. Apparently, the Doctor doesn't do sex. This is the, the, the unspoken rule, really. But it's quite vocally spoken. And the idea of the Doctor getting married, which I find absolutely, you know, where people, where people say it's ludicrous for the Doctor to get married, I'm thinking, excuse me, he had a granddaughter. She didn't out of nowhere. <laughs> they didn't throw her in a vat, although some spin-off media actually posits that forward, but that's a totally scary, slippery rabbit hole, which we won't go down. But, uh, yeah, rather annoying to me that uh, they, they, they try to dehumanise the But, yeah, going back to that, I, I found that really confusing. And also, I thought, I, I actually called it, very early on that the doctor that was killed in the impossible astronaut was a robot i called it very early on because i just thought i think it was around about when let's kill hitler that's when i fully knew it was i was convinced that that was the plot the place they were going to go yeah well when the test selector were in it to begin with it was a little bit of a hint but what got me and i don't understand why they did this was at the start of the the final episode where all yeah. this like came to a head they did a previously in doctor who and showed you the test selector so immediately there was like pretty much everybody with at least two brain cells went oh of course robot doctor it kind of just ruined it a little bit didn't it yeah i mean it's funny because a lot of the times with doctor who for the last like episode or two they don't show you a preview the week before but then they'll just spoil it like right there it's like you've only got to wait like 20 minutes and and then it i'll know anyway so why would you ruin it for me so close ah the technical issues beside that program of what they're doing at the moment but um but yeah i mean i'm going back to the whole oswin clara whatever i'm looking at i'm i'm intrigued to see where it's going because moffat the phrase for me used to be, in Moffat we trust, and now it's sort of, Moffat, don't fuck me over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It, it came close to that, and I was actually really, really, really upset by The Angels Take Manhattan because I felt that it was a real cheap way to do it. And I'm, and this is something that's really been winding me up, actually, with Doctor Who companions of late. None of them just leave him. Apart from Martha, they just say, look, I've had enough. It's time for me to go. And I thought they were going that way with Amy and Rory, but I'm so sick to death of them being, we're trapped in a parallel dimension and we can't get to you. Yeah. It's, it's the way that they just sort of, I understand that I don't need everything explained to me, but to just say, oh, I can't possibly get in there because of time. <laughs> it's like... That doesn't... What? What are you talking about? Why can't the TARDIS get in there? And if the TARDIS can't get in there, how can River get in there with a piddly little vortex thingy on her wrist? Like, what the fuck? Doesn't make sense. But, um, I didn't... Oh, yeah. The Daleks take Manhattan. I've got a... Daleks? No, angels. I had a big issue with that, but it wasn't really to do with the episode so much as the fact that four people took screenshots of very important parts of that episode and put them on Facebook two hours after the episode aired and I hadn't seen it yet. Screenshots. I've got to the point where after like episodes of things come out like The Walking Dead and Doctor Who and 
Dexter even. But as soon as I see any of those words in somebody's Facebook status, I skip it because so many people have spoiled things for me. It's ludicrous. But I was scrolling down, and I'm going to spoil this for everybody now, but here's a fair warning for it. I was scrolling down. I was having a look on Facebook, see what my friends are up to. And a Doctor Who fan page that I was on on Facebook had put up a screenshot of the Statue of Liberty. So that's a fairly massive spoiler right there and then somebody else one of my friends had put up a screenshot of amy and rory falling off the building and then somebody else had put a screenshot with a caption of a quote from the episode of amy's last few moments and chat with the doctor and i was like seriously guys it's been like two hours we can't all be in front of the telly at all times <laughs> like, i got so mad so when i watched that episode it just basically had no impact on me so i can't really judge it on its own because i it was so ruined i just had no attachments to it at all yeah i mean i was left feeling very cold by that episode to be honest with you, because i'd really fallen in love with amy Laurie, the characters and I felt that they'd run their course, and I thought, yeah, now's the time for them to go. But I want to see them leave the Doctor and say, look, Doctor, we've had an absolutely wonderful time, but it's over. We've got to go. Mm-hmm. I thought to that. And then it was just, an, it just became doomsday all over again. Yeah. And uh, to, be, to be honest, though, bravo to the 10th Doctor. A better way to get rid of your clingy ex-girlfriend by dumping in a parallel universe with a half <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, but going back to what we were saying about the promo pictures, I'm kind of interested. To, I'm kind of interested. I think this Doctor's costume is just purely for the Christmas special, judging by some of the spoilery shots that I have seen across the internet. And because I'm sorry, but Matt, I know you love your hats, but that's not a good hat. You look ridiculous. It's the problem is Matt Smith has quite a large forehead, as my husband keeps pointing out. And for a man with such a forehead, you really don't want a hat to extend your head that much. No, you don't. And it's quite a flat top hat, isn't it? It's quite yeah. large. And yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, where he goes with it. Because one of the things I do love about Matt Smith is that he's not afraid to take risks with the way the character looks and the way that the character acts. And I applaud him. For because it's kind of interesting how Doctor Who, when it came back and uh, Christopher Eccleston went down the serious route, I'm going to make it serious, it's kind of gone full circle and back to what it was, that the Doctor is in a bad costume. Yeah. <laughs> but thank God, I, I pray to God that we do not get a Colin Baker costume. <laughs> I'm, um, I... Um, I feel like a bit of a bitch, to be honest, because when I saw these pictures earlier, I went... Um, I think it was on the blog to who blog they've got pictures of possibly the radio times cover um that that was a sneaky preview and uh, and i did a typical like judgmental bitchy thing which was i looked at it and i went well matt smith looks weirdly like bill knighty and why has jenna what's her face got goggly eyes and now i can't stop looking at her eyes in that picture (laughs) one of them is higher than the other how is that possible i don't know but it is it's weird blogs in a while so i'll have to i might have to have a nosy but uh you won't be able to stop seeing it once you've seen it <laughs> okay you're kind of terrifying me now. <laughs> yeah well i mean um, i'm trying to avoid spoilers on anything at the moment I, i'll tell you this is i think this is quite impressive actually i have been tivoing all of the walking dead haven't had a chance to watch it and i've so far i managed to avoid a single spoiler 
Ugh. I got one. I won't say it, obviously, because that would ruin life for you. But uh, somebody put something on Twitter that, although it wasn't directly a spoiler, it kind of hinted at who these things happened to. And, like, a sensible person with an ounce of logic could figure out exactly what was going to happen, i.e. me. So, you know, I just... I think I'm just going to, like, become a recluse until I've seen things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The problem is, Twitter's so easy to check at work, but if I don't get a chance to watch something for a couple of days, it's like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I got I got a fringe spoiler not too long ago, because they've only just started showing it on Sky One, and I'm kind of catching up with it, and they're a bit ahead of themselves, obviously. But I caught this massive fringe spoiler on Facebook, and I was just like, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> See, I'm only on Series 1 of that, so... Uh... Well, what do you think of it? I am, well, I think we've watched about, only about five or six episodes, but I'm really digging it so far. Oh, it gets much better. Really? Oh, God, yeah. By sec- the second season, and the uh, second season really ramps it up a lot, and the third season, it's like a whole new show. And it, 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 what, what's brilliant about Fringe is that it reinvents itself with every, every season. Mm-hmm. It's really fresh, and it's just worth it alone, because John Bish- uh, uh, Walter Bishop is just one of the best television characters oh he's wonderful i am right in thinking that that's ending next year though isn't it uh fringy it's actually ending with this current season playing at the moment it's season five uh it'll be it's last it's shorter season i think it's about 14 episodes and uh it will round it off they are going to round it off it's not like being cancelled midway through it's prime season so they have a definite end for it which i'm very pleased about oh that's good i hate things that just get left wafting around in the breeze, like, oh, what's happened? Well, I mean, Fringe has been lucky. It survived the infamous American Friday Night Death Trot twice. So it's a fighter. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm very pleased it's ending. But I mean, me and Beck absolutely adore it. We're, we're completely mad for it. So uh, I've got to catch up with it this week, actually. But, but yeah, I mean, keep watching it. It's worth it. It really is worth it. It's, it's, it's a real rewarding show for long-time viewers. It really is. I'm just really terrified that when it finishes, loads of people just go and go blah on the internet about how brilliant it was and how this happened, and I'm just going to get like everything spoiled for me before I've barely even begun. <laughs> you won't get me spoiling it for you. I think I think I actively encourage people that I know to watch the show because it's just it's it's the X Files but good. <laughs> Don't let my husband hear you say that because he loves the X Files. Well, um, apart from the latter seasons of X Files where it just was pulling it out of its arse. I've only seen a few episodes of that as well. I'm terrible at TV. I really am. I've got piles of things that I need to watch. You see, I'm, I'm, I have a TiVo box, so I just let everything build up in chunks. We let everything build up in chunks, and then we just watch it all in one big go. So it's just like a, a mixture. Like, I've got loads of episodes of Arrow to watch and um, uh, some random episodes of Law and & Order and the occasional episode of America's Next Top Model. Yes, I do watch that, people. Oh, my God. Do you know what? That's one of my favourite programmes to tell anyone. <laughs> Can I just say how how annoying is it for this particular cycle they're showing that they pick the most annoying, annoying British girls ever to represent our country? <laughs> when they came on, all I could think was that the only one of them I actually properly remembered was Alicia, and I remember thinking she was a bit of an idiot to begin with. Um, from the other series. Oh, no, I remembered Louise as well, and she had she was having a hissy fit in the British show, wasn't she? Well, I had never watched them. I've only ever caught a few episodes of uh, Britain and Ireland's Next Top Model, and I think it's 
kind of thought till six or something. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's American counterpart. Oh Jesus, what's happened to me? <laughs> this this conversation has just gone like a load of people have just switched off this episode because they're like, oh, these these people watch America's Next Top. Get them out of my ears. They're all crying in, inside now because. I watch it because I'm interested in the photography, the the, 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 the process of modelling, and what. Me too. Get a good shot. That I find interesting. All the soap opera stuff is kind of. And the other thing that I find interesting as well is just to see how is Tyra Banks putting it on. What is she doing? Is she is she insane? Has she gone nuts? Here's a question, right? No, I really don't. Did you see last series, the All Stars one, where she did that? motion editorial for that book she's written about some model that just sounds like the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life and kind of makes me want to read it. Model Land, yeah, or something. My wife watched watched the whole thing, Um, but um, I caught snippets of it and I saw the music video episode where they were doing, where they had to write a song or something or other, but I just thought that was weird, the whole idea of her writing writing a book. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I'm, I'm afraid to stand in front of her. Don't don't let her near it's pen and paper for Christ's sake. What you know? Are you mad? <laughs> I think she's actually gone. I mean, last last week she was doing booty tooch lessons. I saw with with bum pads. Anyway, um, yes, yes, let, let's talk about things that won't make our listeners want to kill themselves. <laughs> Shut up! I like it. Um, uh, Doctor Who looks interesting. I'm excited for it because it's Doctor Who and it's going to be a cool. The only thing that like that bothers me is that I don't think there's been a Christmas episode that I've been that enamoured by, so it's automatically going to struggle to win me over. I think um, the last year's special, which really was meh. Last year's was 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 drivel. Um, <laughs> to put it nicely, it was just it, it was just Christmas fluff, wasn't it? It was. It didn't really have a story, and the thing that it lacked was a villain. It lacked any. Yeah. I mean, it was something about trees, and then somebody's husband didn't die. Hooray! Yeah, it was like it was like a weird mix of Narnia with the oh so obvious title, and um, mm. Doctor the Widow and the Doctor and the Widow and the Wardrobe. That was it. Yeah, I, good one. Invented. Um, I didn't care much for it, and I mean, I I love Doctor Who, and I loved Doctor Who at some of its worst periods ever. But I mean, even that, I was I wasn't really. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested because it's going to be a new companion, so it's going to be an interesting twist. And plus, Richard E. Grant is in it, who was played the Doctor once, an apocryphal Doctor. Uh, I don't know if you know about that. No. No. Uh, it was interesting because Paul Cornell actually wrote a webcast series called The Screen of the Shalker. It was an animated webcast series. I think you can still see it on the BBC's website. And Richard E. Grant was cast to play. Uh, basically, he was going to be the official ninth Doctor, and a Doctor Who magazine lined up a cover of uh, Richard E. Grant pointing very menacingly at the camera, at the camera, and then it was on the screen saying, "You know, Richard E. Grant is the Doctor." But at the same time that that was premiering, they uh, announced that they were bringing the show back. Ah, uh. fringe sticker on the on the actual Doctor Who cover magazine that says, "Breaking news: Doctor Who is to return next year." And, so a poor old Richard E. Grant, he only got one shot at it. So it's interesting, actually, because Paul McGann and Richard E. Grant, who were both in With Nail and I, my favourite film of all time, both played the Doctor. And Richard E. Grant's going to be in the Doctor, uh, in Doctor Who. So that's 
so I'll just be thinking of him. He's he's an evil doctor in the return to the universe or something like that. That's the way that my brain likes to work sometimes. <laughs> you can run away now. Sorry, stifling another burp. Um, <laughs> I'm such a classy bastard. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, Doctor Who, I am... Um, yeah, I... T- mm. <laughs> it's become a Christmas thing now, so I'm blatantly going to watch it. And I'd, I'm hopeful that I'll enjoy it, simply because I've been a bit... I, I went through a phase where it was basically an obsession of mine, Doctor Who was, and I was even sort of vaguely attempting to get onto the show somehow, and it was... Not it was legitimate attempts as well. It wasn't just a person going, "Wouldn't it be cool if I was in Doctor Who?" Um, I failed miserably, as you can probably tell by the fact that I haven't been in the show. But um, yeah, it was ridiculous how much I loved it. And then series, the last series, and the first half of this series, I don't know. I've just, I've not, I've not fallen out of love with it. It's just it's it it's not won me over. Ian Moffat may have gotten a little bit. He may be wearing his smart pants a little bit too much. Uh, I think that ever since he came up with Timey Wimey, it's just become a quick excuse. Like you were saying about time being the reason that he can't get back to Amy and Rory. I just thought that's yeah. just really lame. But yeah, but it sounds like we're not looking forward to it, but I am. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's UK tradition now. You eat a huge turkey dinner or bird of your choice. You sit on the sofa, you veg out, you get the meat sweats, you eat a turkey sandwich, and you watch Doctor Who. That's the way Christmas is in this country now. I am looking forward to it. I'm just mildly apprehensive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, slightly excitable caution. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to rambling now and let you talk about something, because this is your 10th podcast, so you deserve to say something. Well, I have recently been going through a, a sort of rekindling of my love for the, the Ninja Turtles. For anybody who has ever heard my voice before, you're probably aware that I'm a massive, massive Turtles fan. So basically this year I've been wetting myself in glee because not only have the IDW comics got better and better, they also started, released uh, a new cartoon on Nickelodeon. Um, I think it started about a month or two ago. It was sort of mid-October-ish. Um, some of the promos for it. It looks interesting. It is absolutely fucking fantastic. It's almost stupid how good it is. It's so good that when it ends, I'm very excitable for what perhaps going to happen in the next one. And it's been a long time since I've watched a program where I've been that bothered. Because um, I do, as much as I've got a lot of things on the pile of things that I need to watch, um, I do watch a lot of TV. And there's a lot of things that I'll watch and I'll go, yeah, I enjoyed that, but I won't be like hungry for more that second. Whereas with the Turtles cartoon, it's just the art for a start, the, the design, the whole design is amazing. There's a lot of sort of um, nods to uh, anime in there. That's, that's really good, but not overpowering. If that makes sense, like people who aren't into anime probably wouldn't be pissed off by it in any manner but one of the things i do love is michelangelo because he has never been anywhere near my favorite turtle because i've always found him very very irritating he is fucking hilarious the script writing is brilliant it's just perfect like i can't think of anything that i don't like about it even the weird homage to the 80s theme tune is growing on me they do a homage to the original theme tune yeah it's like a sort of it's kind of similar, and then it sort of goes into a bit of a rap. <laughs> Is that? I'll probably have to YouTube it. Cause, yeah, I mean, my love of the turtles, it 
extends to the original cartoon, mm-hmm. but it's the of Hero Turtles, which movie which I got on DVD a couple of years ago, re- where they reinstated the nunchuckers, which I was so pleased about. Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I see what the British censors did not want me to see as a small child. I always found it ridiculous that they would let Leonardo stab shit with two massive swords, but it's like, dude, this guy's got bits of wood on a chain, fucking cut that shit. It doesn't make any sense. Nunchuckers aren't. No, never, never nunchuckers. I I find that weird. It it was, I I love that film. (laughs) I I do love that film, but yeah, I'll have to check that turtle starting now because. Oh, uh, do it. Yeah, I will do. I mean, I never read any original comics, and I feel very bad. But, um, I mean, I love the Turtles when they were on the cartoon, so much so that you say that you didn't really like Michelangelo. Uh, I loved Michelangelo as a kid. I even had an orange hamster that I named Michelangelo. Oh, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> huge, fluffy orange hamster, and I called him Michelangelo purely because he's orange and Michelangelo's bandana is orange. Because that's the way that my brain works now as a child. But, yeah, I, had was... a, I had a fish called Raphael because it was a silver fish and it had like a red stripe on its face. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> did, it, did it sneak off into the tank? It was very sullen and didn't really want to talk to anyone. It used to just sit in the little castle while the other fish farted about outside. So it was a bit of a loner fish. <laughs> it would tame Raphael's anger issues. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell with fish, but I'm sure he must have been... I don't know, filled with rage, I guess. And yeah, because um, I mean, in the movie, he just seemed to be he just wanted to punch everybody around him, even April O'Neil, which kind of worried me. <laughs> I am, um, yeah, he's a bit, he's a bit on the angry side. I always found that funny with the turtles, in that they're all raised by the same rat bloke. Yet yeah, they're all so entirely different. Um, Donatello was always my favourite, and uh, oh, he's brilliant in the in the cartoon as well. Like the only thing that I find difficult about Donatello is the voice actor who does his voice in the new cartoon is the guy who did Raphael in the eighties cartoon. It's Rob Polston, I believe, who did that voice. Um, for those of you who don't know who Rob Polston is, he's an American voice actor. He did. Um, do you remember the Mask cartoon? Yep. He did the voices for that, and he is also. Pinky in Pinky and the Brain. I love Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> Point. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I find that slightly distracting though, because being such a fan of the of the eighties cartoon, like it was, it was quite sad actually, because I hadn't heard uh, much about the cartoon before it came out. I just saw an advertisement on uh, a telephone box actually, and was like, "New Turtles, what the shit." Um, and had to get it and so I didn't know who did any of the voices and as soon as Donatello spoke I said to Rich I know this voice he was a turtle was he Raph and Rich was like okay it's sad that you can just know that straight away (laughs) there is an interview with him with Rob Paulson on um, the I think it's the Nerdist podcast where he actually talks about the the weirdness of actually swapping roles over for this for the old cartoon the new cartoon because that's why when he said that that struck a chord because I remembered that yeah, I mean, um, oh, on a completely unrelated note, because you mentioned picking in the brain, may I be completely sad and actually attempt my brain impersonation? Oh, oh please do. Okay, I've got to get my voice right for this. The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. <laughs> Yay! Nof. Um, 
<laughs> I just like to shout random noises. What was the other one? There was point and narf and something else. Oh, God. Uh, point narf and, uh, yeah. Oh, bro. <laughs> that was brilliant. I love it. <laughs> oh, I'll pink your brain. Jay Brain, what are we going to do tonight? Try to take over the world. You can just do that for the rest of the show now, and I'm just going to sit here. That's all right by you. You're in Dubai, really bad Orson Wells impersonation for the entire podcast. Oh dear. Um, back to the turtles anyway, before we go completely off topic. Voice work wise, like I, I love everybody who's been in it. I had to I had to look people up, which is really like strange because people have done a really good job of like not saying tonight the people actually are. Because I've forgotten his real name, but he played Sam in Lord of the Rings. He does Raph. There you go, yeah. He does Raph and I did not recognise his voice at all because it's kind of perfect for Raph. And I was quite amazed by it, to be honest. He, yeah, the, the whole thing's just really, really good. It's... I'm going to stop that, actually. I'll, um, I'll, um, we do have Nick on Virgin, so I'm going to try and check it out, definitely. Yeah, well, the only problem that I have is that it was advertised on all these telephone boxes as being on Mondays at five, and I've never seen it on Nick, Nick at, on Mondays at five. The other day I found it on Nick Tunes at uh, five o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> Which is not Monday, but I, while I'm trying to find new episodes of Earth, of the Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes on whatever it, whatever channel it was, I just just gave up trying to predict children's television scheduling. It just drove me insane because they, they they don't stick to any one schedule. The only reliable one I think is Cartoon Network or Cartoon Network Super. They're the only reliable ones that mm. schedule because that's how I've been able to sort of discover Batman Brave and Bold. But um. But the problem with Cartoon Network is they show the same episodes of things over and over again because Rich and I have just started watching the regular show. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's quite funny. But that, I've got to have seen the same episode of that about six times and we've only been watching it for about a month or two. Yeah, when we were watching Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, we just kept seeing the same bloody Hulk episode. <laughs> it's like Friends when you always turn over and Friends is on and it's always that one episode you don't like and... <laughs> I just don't like Friends. So. Uh, Friends is always one of those things that I think I've always just watched and I've never really cared. <laughs> I, I like, it's just on and I'm just looking at it. <laughs> I like what Simon, how Simon Pegg described Friends. He said it's like a screensaver for the mind. <laughs> yes! That makes perfect sense. That is exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's like white noise to me. You just put it on, it's in the background now. As like some episodes of the Big Bang Theory, well, the ones that they repeat, I just have them on in the background because they're, they're sort of comforting. The Big Bang Theory has really started pissing me off lately. I hate all of the women in that show. <laughs> I don't mind them. I think my favourite is Amy because she's just weird. Penny has just they've just stopped writing any decent stuff for Penny now. Yeah. They really have. She, they seem to sort of waft as well between Penny being incredibly stupid and not even slightly stupid. Like, she'll misunderstand things in one episode that in the next episode she's 
Oh, I don't know. It just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But I love Sheldon, because who doesn't? <laughs> If the show didn't have Sheldon, it wouldn't work. It really wouldn't work at all. I mean, because Leonard's annoying. Yep. I think sometimes they play the Raj being an Indian too, too near walking the tightrope to the point of racism sometimes. Yeah, me, I can't remember what was said in an episode that me and Rich were watching the other day, but Rich just turned to me and went, isn't that a bit racist? And I was like, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't know how we got here. Um, yeah, long story short, watch the cartoon and read the new IDW comics because oh, I basically wet myself every time I get one of those because it's so fecking brilliant. What a brilliant endorsement of something, eh? I pissed my pants. Read it. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be straight on the cover of the next IDW. Hey, Bob, then Oh, that reminds me, actually. Not about pissing my pants. I almost died of happiness the other week because I had uh, a Twitter message from Stephen Struble, the guy who writes Little Depressed Boy. I don't know if you've ever read it, but you should because it's fantastic. And and he was like, uh, I don't suppose you've got volume three of the book. And I was like, nah, I collect it in floppies, why? And he was like, oh, I don't know, maybe you'd like to, and tweeted a picture of the back. And on the back there are four quotes from people about how good the... Uh, the book is and the first one is from Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour and the bottom one is from Childish Gambino and I almost done a wee. <laughs> uh, awesome. I was so excited, I was like, oh my god, my name's on the same page as Troy and did uh, a little excited dance. Um I think so, because he's a very attractive man. That's not the only reason that he's important, obviously, but um, <laughs> it's quite important to me. Um, yeah. Uh, so my uh, wife, uh, you know, she watches the Avengers purely for the action, not because Chris Evans' bum looks nice in the Captain America costume. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> likes Chris Evans as Captain America. Anything else doesn't, doesn't care much for. I think it's the hair. See, when we and Rich went to see the Avengers, I was just like, it's like somebody crept into my dreams and took all of my fantasies and put them on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, hello, bevy of attractive men. Um, <laughs> what are you doing on this massive screen in front of me, dribble? Uh, yeah. yeah. The Avengers is definitely all the book. It's kind of interesting how they kept saying, oh, it's an all boys movie. It's like, yeah, there's a lot there for the ladies. A lot. I don't think short hair does anything for her because there is a commercial on the telly at the moment for like Chanel Number no. Five or some shitty perfume, and she looks horrendous in it. Like not like you know you wouldn't kick her out of bed still, but she looks a mess. And I was like, nah, it's not working because she's got this like little font of curls in it and I'm just thinking no, you don't you don't do short hair. Uh mind you, I mean Gwyneth Paltrow didn't do anything for me either. And I think she's become a bit of a wet drip with pepper pot. So I think it's just down to writing really. I hope with Iron Man three they they kind of give us something cool to do because of... Well there was I was gonna 
going to say there were rumours, weren't there, about her getting her own suit? Yeah, that, that'll be intriguing. I just don't want it to be a gimmick, and I don't want it to last for about five seconds. I just hope she doesn't have metal boobs. I know that sounds ridiculous. That's... If her suit has metal boobs, that will piss me off. Yeah, just, that's just really... That, oh, that, that would be just pushing too far for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for, you know, women putting with sexy films, you know, because the people got, you know, for the film executives, they're not playing to comic book readers as, you know, for, pure, for purism. They're doing it because they're trying to, you know, make tropes. And I understand that some women are going to be something a bit low-cut because they have to take on the show because they're trying to appeal to the males in the audience. But giving iron, an iron, you know, giving the group of goes at the suit up and they give her Yeah, no, I totally agree. And if it happens, because I did you see the trailer for the teaser thingy that came out for Iron Man three? Yes, I did. I'm I'm nervous about it. It seems quite uh, it's it seems very different in tone. And the thing I liked about the other two Iron Man films was the the tone of the films. So I'm scared that it's gone a bit dark and scary. Yeah, what was refreshing about Iron Man when it first came out? It was fun. Mm. I mean. Sort of after the X Men films and just after Batman Begins, where the tone was dark, and um, you know, Iron Man sort of really brought the funness of the Marvel universe into onto the screen. Or well, mind you, I say funness of the Marvel universe. The last few crossovers from Marvel have just been so depressing. <laughs> I'm very behind on Marvel comics. I've got I've got a pile of about three hundred because I just can't get into the universe at all at the moment. I've got reserved, I've got to pick them up, some of the Marvel Now issues, and I've reserved Deadpool because Beck is really getting to Deadpool, and I saw Deadpool issue one. And... I like your wife. <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a fellow fellow Deddy nerd, uh, yeah. I've, um, I've actually read the Marvel Now one because I, Deadpool's the only one I really keep up with. I, 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 I don't think it was... Oh, gosh, what am I trying to say here? Brian Persane does a very good job of writing Deadpool, but not an awful lot happens in that issue of any particular interest. So it's difficult to know... Because the, the story of it, I'm not going to like ruin it for you, but the story of it was, was quite weird and out there, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a major arc, so you can't really... If they do make a major arc out of it, it'd be weird, I think. So if they don't, then... It's kind of hard to get into because it's strange, but it seems it seems like it's going to be good when it finds its feet. The first issue of Deadpool that I ever read, and it's the same one that Becky wrote. The uh, first issue of the Secret Invasion, Deadpool, I think it was the time of the crossover. Yeah. He's at the ballpark. <laughs> yeah. Thinking <laughs> I'm in the coconut planting a bomb on the scroll ship. That. <laughs> he is just completely doolally, and I love him. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm really keen to, to carry on reading Deadpool. Cause it's, yeah. it's really good. The only thing I will say, though, is if you go, if um, they're releasing the, 
the like 90s Deadpool comics. They're releasing them in trade at the moment. Called in, I think they're called Deadpool Classics or something. And um, as much as there are a lot of really good stories in there from what I've read, because I haven't um, read them all because I've got random floppies. I think I've got from like one to about 45 and then just random ones after there that I've been able to get hold of. And a lot of the stories are really good, but there's some things that are kind of jarring because sometimes you forget that he's actually like completely fucked up. There's, I mean, there's, there was a period for a while where he used to keep a blind lady captive in his house and sometimes he'd shove her in a room full of, like, knives and shit hanging off the walls and just let her deal with it. And it was like, oh, fucking hell, mate. <laughs> uh, feeling a bit awkward. Jesus. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit sinister. Oh, um, a bit of breaking news. I don't know if you've seen this, actually. But, um, something to do with the X-Men sequel? Oh, go on. Yes. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are going to be in it. Oh. Because I think they're trying to do Days of Future Past. Ah, see, I've not read that. It could be a rumour. It could be genuine. I don't know. It will date pretty much after this episode comes out. So if anyone wants to fling some, something at me for spreading a false rumour, please do. <laughs> My Twitter name is Pat Beckton Gent. You may throw shit at me later. But, yeah, that's what I can see. That's interesting. Hmm. I tell you what, it's getting ridiculous. Have you got anything else that you wanted to talk about? One more thing, very quickly. I'll uh, talk about, because this is a show that I really want people to watch, because it's really good. Continuum. Have you seen it? I haven't. Well, Continuum is currently on sci-fi. It's about to finish its first season run. So I imagine that sci-fi will, because sci-fi have been promoting the hell out of this show. To the to, to ridiculous level. Oh, just a five episodes. It's brilliant. Uh, the premises of the show is it's a Canadian science fiction show. It's set in, starts off in Vancouver in the year 2077. The world is a complete dystopian nightmare. It's con- the world government has fallen. And the world is controlled by corporate corporations who keep the population under very high surveillance and will tolerate anybody from any kind of shit about their rules. And the police force are non-existent. They are what what is in place is a group of people called protectors, who are essentially like cybernetic cops, but they're more human, and they've got cybernetic implants into their brains, and they wear very a very fancy jumpsuit, which can do a lot of fancy gadgetry and technical imagery. Yeah, when you see the show, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But in amongst this universe, there is a terrorist group that is trying to overthrow the government called Believer uh, uh, Eight. But they're really a pretty nasty terrorist group because they are blowing up buildings and killing innocent civilians. Uh, the, the ringleader and the ringleaders of the group are captured and due to be put in, due to be executed. But unbeknownst to the protectors, they have smuggled in the terrorists pieces of a time travel device, which they connect together all at the point of their execution, which transports them to the year 2012 in Vancouver. And they don't go alone because the main character of the show, uh, a lady called Kira, gets sucked along in the wormhole with them and ends up in 2012. And the whole point of the show is that she somehow manages to connect with a very important figure, a young teenager who will become a very important figure in the technological advancement of Vancouver in 2077. And she works on a way of integrating herself into the Force as a way of trying to track down the Lieber 8 terrorists whose plan is, is to change history to uh, 
cause all sorts of devastating consequences. It's a brilliant show. It sounds like it's going to be a standard run-of-the-mill science fiction show. It's absolutely brilliant. It's got a really, really clever ideas, a really great central character, really well executed, fantastic special effects, and the, sh- the, the best length of the season, for about 12 episodes, I think it is. It's brilliant, and I could go on about it for ages, but I'll keep it short. Check it out. Oh, great. That's another one for me to add to my bloody massive pile. First minute load. Next year in January, so get it on DVD if you miss it on sci fi. Oh, cool. I don't think I've ever watched anything on sci fi, <laughs> except Tremors once because it's always on. I'm quite a big fan of sci fi because they do some really interesting programs, like, because I'm a big fan of Eureka, although I'm not as big a fan as Warehouse 13. Uh, Alphas, when they show that, I know the second season's currently shown on 5 USA at the moment. I really like Alphas. Uh, but um, yeah, they, they tend to also, they're also sort of known for doing their really crappy creature feature movies. Yes. Crop <laughs> versus Megapython or whatever it is. Mind you, I love shit like that. <laughs> Me and Beck actually got a, a whole box set full of them and we spent the night eating popcorn watching Dino Shark. <laughs> it's so awful, it's, it's hysterical. That to me sounds like a brilliant evening, so. Well, I, I've got a couple of other things I wanted to talk about, so I'm going to, like, blitz through them like the wind. This one review will be really short anyway, because I'm, for some reason I'm not very good at um, reviewing actual novels without giving everything away, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I just read Horns. Have you read it? No, I have I really want to read it, because I love Stephen King, and I really want to read Joe Hill's stuff. Well, I recently read I read Heart Shaped Box first. Um, Rich told me to read that first because he said it, that Joe Hill's style gets noticeably better in Horns, and he said if I read them the other way around, I probably wouldn't enjoy Heart Shaped Box. And I think he was right because I read it first and I thought that was amazing, and then I read Horns and I was like, holy fucking shit, snacks! It is really good. The like basic premise is it's about this guy. He's girlfriend is murdered and basically the whole town thinks he did it that he's some kind of mad sex pervert thing um but the evidence to either you know prove or disprove that he did it got mysteriously sort of ruined in a fire um so uh one day he's you know not very happy with his life because his girlfriend's dead and everybody thinks he's some kind of sex pest Uh, and he gets up one day and he realizes he's started to grow these horns and these horns kind of um they have an influence over people and he starts to use this to try and find out what actually happened to his girlfriend um and it is absolutely brilliantly written it is not in chronological order and that's for some reason that's something i like I, i get kind of bored if people tell me a story just straight up tell it to me um particularly in prose i'm not not so bad with comics because it, they're quite short anyway so it's it's very difficult to get bored in about 10 minutes unless the book is shit um <laughs> but but horns is it's so good i am apprehensive about the film that they're making of it because i don't like daniel radcliffe as an actor at all that's why i'm a bit dubious about seeing the woman in black yeah i still haven't watched that because <laughs> i mean i I'm, I'm kind of interested because it's an adaption by Jane Goldman. Mm-hmm. Come on, Jane Goldman. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's be excellent first class. She, you know, let's face it, she made kick-ass work as a film. Yeah. Compared to the comic book. I mean, sorry, Mark Miller, but no. No. <laughs> uh, 
put it this way. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. The first Mark Miller comic that my that Beck ever read was Nemesis. Have you read Nemesis? I haven't. It's, it's a typical of Mark Miller's widescreen comic style. Mm-hmm. Pictures, very little dialogue, and it's just an idea that he wants to make a movie from the that Right. <laughs> really irritates me. But anyway, uh, going back to what you were saying about horns, because it sounds really cool. Yeah, the book itself is brilliant, and I am. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to end up seeing the film because Rich will want to see it. I think because he's a, a huge fan of the book, and he doesn't hate Daniel Radcliffe as much as I do. So, I don't know whether though my hatred of Daniel Radcliffe comes from the fact that in the early Harry Potter films he was a kid and a terrible child actor. He is. He is Yeah, I think it's just because I've only ever seen him as Harry Potter, and I hate Harry as a character anyway, and I always wanted him to die and, <laughs> and stay dead. <laughs> At midnight, whenever there was a new book release, it's great. Please let, so, oh, please let this be the one where he died. <laughs> it's like the next one's called Hermione Granger and Harry Potter's Funeral, and I'm like, yes! Uh, no, uh, <laughs> never happened. But died and was resurrected. I was so mad because almost immediately when they started talking about Horcruxes in those books, I was like, Harry's a Horcrux. Oh, my God, he's going to have to die. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. And I actually thought it would have been a ludicrously brave thing to do writing-wise. But when you think about Harry, all he ever does is whine about how he's got no parents and all the kids think, oh, he's he's the chosen one. Um, But, like, he never actually does anything because if it wasn't for Hermione and Ron, he'd have been dead by now. He's he's actually shit at being a witch, and the fucking the spell that he does that eventually you know kills the Dark Lord is the first fucking one he learned. I mean that's the stupidest thing I've ever read in my life. But anyway, that's another rant for another day. So read Horns because that's a good book, uh, unlike the Harry Potter ones. So. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention was that I went to Thought Bubble Con uh, a couple of weekends ago. Thought Bubble is an amazing con, and if you get a chance to go next year, you definitely should because it's 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 so smoothly run. Everybody there just seems really friendly. Uh, and helpful and one of the things that i do like is that they have local roller derby girls uh who sort of roll around the con to help you out if you happen to get like lost or confused um so that's nice uh but it's um this year was particularly fun because the mid con party uh, on the Saturday night was at the Corn Exchange in Leeds and um, basically what happened was a load of uh, comic creators did little individual DJ sets and I think I danced for about four hours straight and I only stopped to get a couple of drinks and have a piece because oh, it was just so much fun and uh, at one point I punched Kieran Gillen and then he told me that I was his favourite on the dance floor so that was like awesome. Obviously sort of spastic opti- octopus flailing really works for him on the dance floor i guess oh i did see photos i may have accidentally gangnam styled everywhere i can't help it i love that song but i just wanted to, to mention thought bubble because i think the more positive press it gets because it's just getting better i mean i've only been to it twice and it was this year was be- much better than last year and i thought last year was great so it's definitely worth going to. The, the only thing I would say that I was a bit sad about was that um, Scotty Young was due to be there. And I was so excited about the idea of like 
walking up to him and squeaking something about a sketch because I wouldn't have been able to talk to him properly. Uh, but then he dropped out about a week beforehand because he had deadlines to meet. And I was a bit sad. Sad I've panda. Circumstances just didn't make it possible, really. But next year, definitely. And I am going to London City Comic Con again next year in February because the first one was really good. You didn't go, did you? No, I have to be honest. Um, I've been a bit crap at cons this year because I've not had a lot of money. So <laughs> I've I've kind of put myself out a bit going to Thought Bubble, but I had so much fun last year. I kind of had to this year. <laughs> London City Comic Con is great. If you, if it's purely comics. Yeah. A lot of there's a lot of indie stuff there. A lot of DC stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was kind of cool because um, I went there unexpectedly. My best man actually took me there as a surprise. Oh wow. Yeah, it was really nice, actually. He said, we're going down to London. And um, apparently he was going to play a prank on me, which he didn't get a chance to do. He came back to the pub, sit me down in front of the rugby that was on the pie and said, drink up, we're here for the whole day. Oh, dear. That would have been brilliant if he pulled it off. <laughs> but it was quite funny, actually, because um, there was a point where we were standing in the middle of the con, and we were, he was talking to me, and he got a bit weirded out because I suddenly started to veer to the right with my eyes glazed over and my mouth all hanging open. And that was because Stan Lee just brushed past it. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. I would have actually died, I think. When people saw him, it was like they were following Jesus. <laughs> and, of course, he went to the Marvel booth, of course. To put him and, uh, it was quite interesting. And the cosplay there was interesting as well. I mean, there was a lot of cosplay. Mm. It was funny because and it's in the same building as a um, as a Zumba convention was going on the same day. <laughs> there were loads of girls dressed in the Zumba gear, walking next to people dressed in comic book clothing, just brilliant. And they all got scared because it was this fantastic Punisher cosplay. God knows how he didn't get arrested. He was dressed like Frank Castle from current Marvel continuity with white gloves and boots and that. But he had like replica M16 oh, gosh. machine guns and everything. Like, they looked fucking real. And how he got on the tube to there without him, <laughs> just walked in. And, you know, nobody had stopped him. <laughs> I've got to say, I was slightly concerned for this bloke at Thought Bubble who was um, scarily in character version of Wolverine. When I went to check into the hotel on the Friday, bearing in mind the con didn't actually start till Saturday, and this was about four in the afternoon, he was slumped up the hotel bar doing shots in his white vest, sort of trying to chow random ladies, myself included. And then I saw him again later that night as I was coming back to the hotel after a meal, and he was outside smoking a cigar. Uh, <laughs> and then in the morning we saw him for breakfast and he was uh, eating scrambled eggs on toast uh, and just slugging JD right from the bottle so you know yeah I uh, I did worry for him a little bit because I think he actually thinks he might be Wolverine because he, I heard him talking to a few people like, you know you sort of Somehow, I managed to pass the same few people loads of times when we were in the convention halls and completely miss other people who I was actually trying to look out for. But every, like nearly every time I passed him, he was trying to convince people that his name was actually Logan. And I was like, oh, he's strange. <laughs> this is the thing I have with um, the, the, cos- the 
question I have is the cosplay is dressed up like Wolverine in the white vest and, and the jeans and all that. Are they trying to be Wolverine or are they trying to be Jackman? <laughs> well, there is that. Uh, nobody's nobody's going to replace you, Jackman, though, because yum. <clears throat> but that's another story. Although, saying that, oh, the Les Miserables film is coming out soon and I'm probably going to be in floods of tears at that. Oh, my God. Scarred as a, as a, as a young kid going to see that because I was taken to see it uh, as part of a double bill as a school trip. So it's the Lion King first. Oh, God. It made me laugh because I don't know if you remember the bit in Name is where the little boy gets shot. Yeah. Um, shot, and the theatre's got a very thin wall and an open window. And the moment he gets shot, an ambulance drives by the theatre. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, that was the audience reaction. <laughs> oh, cripes. Is he actually dead? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. I'm very excited for that film, though. But just seeing the trailer, because I went to see Skyfall, which I won't talk about because it will probably make people angry. Uh, the trailer for Lesmies was on then, and I, I was almost, I was tearing up a little bit. I'm going to be a mess in the in the cinema when that comes out. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, because uh, it's getting quite late. So mm-hmm. I'll probably have to catch up soon. And, uh, but, yeah, I hope, I hope this won't be too much of a ramble for all of my episodes are a ramble fest, so it's nothing out of the ordinary. Um, <laughs> before, uh, before we like sign off and stuff, is there anything that you would like to plug or pin? Uh, yes, yes, I do. Um, I write reviews for uh, the website Doctor Who Online. Uh, specifically, what I write is the uh, I write reviews of the Big Finish audio dramas. Big Finish are a company that's been doing Doctor Who audio dramas for a very long time. They do it with all the existing doctors, apart from the new series ones due to contractual obligations and that, but they do have a Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Seth McCoy, Paul McGann, and they've recently just added Tom Baker to their list. And I can't really go into too much detail here about them, so if you go on to the Doctor Who Online and then go on to look at the tab with the reviews and click the audio button, you'll see all of my reviews there. I think that's a nice little spot to round off the show. Aye. Well, thank you for joining me on the show. I know it was like super short notice, so I hated. I didn't. I didn't really want to spring it on you, but you know, I kind of had uh, it sprung on me. So. <laughs> hey, it was great, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for letting me do it. And uh, you know, maybe maybe I was good enough, and maybe people like me that have me back on again. Hey, and maybe we'll get you a better mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are still on my list. Everybody who's ever been on the parlour is very welcome to come back because I'm aware that at some point I'm going to run out of friends. Uh, so I'm just going to have to reuse you all, you know, regardless of whether I want to or not. So. Gary, <laughs> when you say you're going to run out of friends, do do you know something that they don't? No. Anyway, um, so that was episode 10. Next month is going to be obviously episode 11, but also possibly vaguely festive because, you know, it will be December and shit. Uh, yeah, and I like Christmas. 
I like Christmas because I'm a big child and I like to have presents and I like to give presents. So it's a pretty good time of year for me. <laughs> right. I should probably say goodbye to the listeners before we actually go, shouldn't I? <laughs> Just edit that seamlessly in. <laughs> snip snip um yes that was episode 10 hope you all enjoyed it and i shall see you next month for some uh sort of festive i don't know what i'm gonna do actually i might just play annoying christmas songs in the background of it for the entire time uh or try and get an interview with santa don't know see how it goes bye bye on the line. It's risky. People love to tear that down. Let them try. Do it anyway. Risk it anyway. And if you're paralyzed by a voice in your head, it's a standing still that should be scaring you instead. Go on and do it anyway. Precisely why you'll love the book Do it anyway Do it anyway Tell me what I said I'd never do Tell me what I said I'd never say Read me off a list of the things I used to not like But now I think are okay Okay